This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with association of Fussy Five. To play Fuzzy 5 this weekend, visit thepools.com. You need to be in the UK and over 18 years of age to play. We're all over 18, even though we mightn't look it. <laughs> With me today is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. How are you, James? Not too th- bad, thanks, Chris. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Just just slightly older than 18. <laughs> just. Yeah, just over. Just over Just it. over. Although I must admit, I felt like an 18-year-old again this week. Been a... F- uh, at home on my own all week. Misses in Hong Kong, kids down south. It's been been living the student life again. So <laughs> the glory years. How's yeah. the how's the bachelor pad? Uh, it's looking pretty untidy. Yeah, I've got a massive clean up operation on my hands <laughs> on Saturday morning. I think she lands about eleven o'clock. So uh, yeah, there's six days of washing up in the sink. Just and, just uh, mounds of crumbs from all the toast you've been eating. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried to avoid too much washing up by just getting like five takeaway curries in on Monday. So I've got one left to go. Um, the modern man. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been good. You've missed her really though, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She does oh, listen. I've just had a lot more time on my hands. I've I've been able to watch stuff on TV. But even went to the cinema. My first ever solo cinema trip this week. I haven't done that. You know, I don't think I could do that. You yeah, like Austin? No, it's something uh, Greg O'Keefe was, it was a big uh, big fan of, wasn't he? <laughs> he a big advocate. Yeah, he, he was. He, he used to try and tell everyone to get down on, on their own. I don't know why we didn't just go as a group, but he was trying to send everyone off on their own. It's, it's one of those, though, if you're not with somebody and going with a group of lads at our age, it's, it's over 18. It's just a little bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, I, I felt a bit weird. Yeah, I, I, I timed it so that I was like five minutes late because I wanted it to make sure it was really dark before I went in. You're going to mm. reveal what you went and watched? Yeah, Star is Born. Uh, Hold on, you went to see that on your own? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I panicked a little bit early on because I kicked my popcorn over. But in in the battle to try and get a little spot where I, could, I was like out of the way. But um, yeah, it's very good. That, that'll win Emotional. Oscars. Emotional. Is, yeah. That'll is win that, Oscars. Isn't that one that you take the missus to see though? Or, or you know, a partner, you know. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I suppose some people will go as a couple, but um, I enjoyed a little two hours. on your own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wait till your missus is in Hong Kong and then go on your own. Uh, Paul I, think that, I think that covers everything for this week, doesn't it? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Playthepools.com. <laughs> We're also with Paul Gorst, who uh, hasn't been in the cinema on his own. I don't know if he's been in the cinema with anybody um, but you're here today aren't you how are yeah. you yeah very well thank you Yeah. how can uh, you top that well I can't uh, I'm off for eight days after today so we're uh, home straight lovely should we crack on with the actual football then it's <laughs> <laughs> probably better than me yeah. unless we want to talk about Lady Gaga's Oscar winning performance who knows she is brilliant is she yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's very good an Oscar winning performance from Jürgen Klopp as well at Melwood as we go seamlessly oh, into the football we don't write this script here on the Blood Red podcast yeah James you were there at Melwood um he actually covered it quite a lot today. Uh, I think the first thing that we probably should talk about are the injuries. No Jordan Henderson again. No Naby Keita. No real problem though after what happened against Red Star Belgrade. No real issues. No, I don't think so. When you look at how well that that midfield uh, operated on the night, I think, I think everyone would like to see Fabino line up again with with Wijnaldum. I think yeah, that worked well um and then obviously with with the system that he tweaked with the the 4231 with Firmino central Shakiri right Mane left i think you know i think probably in a way forced upon him because of the personnel that was available but yeah it worked and although obviously you, you never want to be out without two big players like Henderson and Keita 
he's got he's got great options. It, you know, I think it, the interesting thing will be whether he does, having f- discovered that fluency in midweek, does he think why well, we we stick with that, or does he look to to bring in fresh legs? Because you know, he, even with those two players being out, he's still got great you know alternatives. With you think the other night that bench looks so strong. With you know, Lovren could come into the back four. You've got Sturridge up top. It will be desperate to to start. Obviously, Lana as well. Milner, you know, obviously um, was rested the other night. So, um, yeah, we've been saying all season how strong the squad's looked. And, um, you know, he, Liverpool, you know, go back 12, 18 months to, to lose two players like that. We'd have been talking about how, how does Klopp possibly try and fill the gaps. But thankfully at the moment, that's not an issue. Those days of Exeter feel long, long behind <laughs> Liverpool. This is what Jürgen Klopp's been wanting for. This is what he's been building towards, isn't it, Gorsi, for three years? Yeah, of course. Um, I think... A lot of us have said, haven't we, for, for quite a while now, this is one of the, the best Liverpool squads that we can remember for, for many a year. And it's it's basically coming to fruition now. You know, quite a few injuries are stacking up, but um, the, the quality isn't dropping by the players who are coming in and, and making an impact. And I don't really see him changing much in terms of the midfield. Uh, one, because he hasn't really got the options to, but two, because of how well they played on, on Wednesday night. Um, Jadon Chikiri and Fabinho were, were both excellent uh, for very different reasons. Shaqiri just looks like he's going to add that little bit of class in the final third in that attacking midfield role. Um, he sent Sandy Robinson on his way, didn't he, for the uh, for the opener, and then uh, just that little cushioned touch for for Salah as well for his goal. So I think he'll be given another chance tomorrow. I think he deserves it, and Fabinho as well. Um, thought he was excellent on on Wednesday, snapping into tackles, had a, a little range to his passing that I think uh, some people didn't think he had. And uh, yeah, it's it's all looking rosy at the moment. It's funny, isn't it, how things develop because it never really pans out how you'd expect it to. I think in the summer when players were getting signed and and you know other players were being uh, scouted and, and and pursued, I think everybody sort of foresaw a Fabinho case of Fakir midfield three. But okay. obviously Fakir didn't come. Fabinho's only just got into the side. He's only just really starting to find his feet, and obviously Naby Case is injured, but. Is that sort of that Fabinho, Shaqiri, you know, one at the bottom of the midfield three, one at the top end of it? Is 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 that is that the way forward for Liverpool in certain games? Is that is that the way to give a bit of defensive solidity and also that little bit of craft and guile in the in in the midfield thirds when you know they might have been lacking it earlier this season? Yeah, the, the balance certainly looked good the other night. I think I think probably what might convince Klopp to to not to tinker too much with it ahead of Cardiff is. I think it'll be a similar type of game with, you know, limited opposition again that will just look to frustrate Liverpool. And, um, you know, he, he spoke today about, you know, how he almost said it was his fault the first 15, 20 minutes with the changes that it took time for the players to get to grips with it. But after that, it really did click. And um, I think the big thing with Fabinho in that in that role, certainly the other night, you know, it helped him as well, the fact that he had someone else alongside him. Um, but, but there was a lot more to his game than just breaking play up and 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 kind of and, and just giving the ball to someone else to make something happen. He made things happen in, himself, which is obviously so important against a team that defends in in numbers and and it's it's just set up to contain. Um, you know his range of passing was really good the other night. You think of the that quality lofted pass that he put uh, Trent in with, you know, close to what would have been a brilliant assist. Um, so yeah, I think you know. The, that that was that was the you know one of the massive positives for midweek to see him Fabino finally kind of show us you know what why Klopp was convinced to to kind of uh, sanction such a a big amount of money to to sign him so um, yeah hopefully that's a real 
kind of springboard for him now going forward. Gorsi, it feels like the midfield balance is starting to look right for Liverpool in the sense that you, you go back maybe this time last week and after Casey's injury and, you know, there's worries about perhaps Adam Lallana coming back uh, because he's had so little football, but now he's had, what was it, 65, 70 minutes mm-hmm. in his legs against Huddersfield. A little bit worried maybe if Shaqiri could play that role, but after what happened against Southampton where he was hauled off after, you know, 45 minutes because the balance didn't quite look right, but he obviously took to it much better. Um, and with even more devastating effect against Red Star, you've got the likes of James Milner, who can obviously get put into that midfield as well. Is it starting to look like Liverpool have, you know, once Jordan Henderson comes back as well, of course, who's out injured, is it starting to look like they've got options all across where they can pick three of those players and, and create any sort of midfield they want for any sort of battle? Yeah, again, it's a good way of looking at it. I think it'd just be a horses for courses approach, wouldn't it, for Klopp, depending on who the opposition is and what their strengths are in midfield. I think every one of his midfielders serves a, a particular purpose. Um, and I, th- I think that's why it might be ideal for, for Shaqiri to, to play tomorrow, as James says. Similar to the Red Star game in terms of a team who are going to sit in deep and get... 11 men behind the ball for, for the majority of the game they're going to need someone who can turn the screw and, and just create that bit of magic out of nothing and Shaqiri certainly showed that he, he can do that in, in, um, in fits and starts in his Liverpool career so far um, he was taken off against Southampton for, for tactical reasons we were told and maybe there was something behind that in terms of you know, Southampton had a better quality side than, than a Cardiff or a Red Star so maybe the Egan Club did see something that trouble them a little bit in the first 45 but in, in terms of against teams who were in the bottom end of the Premier League then I, I see Sheeran Shaqiri as a, an ideal player in the pool squad to play in that position I mean Klopp does this with players doesn't he and okay it's early days for, for Shaqiri but and we didn't see him week in week out at Stoke we only really had the highlights from match of the day and what yeah. you saw of him from from um, you know his time when he played at Anfield at the uh, Betfri 6-5 but Klopp does this with players where you're watching them now and you're thinking, how did any manager ever just think that Shaqiri was a player who stood on the right-hand side, put the ball on his left and just whipped balls in for Peter Crouch? You know, it's unbelievable. You look at like Robertson and how he's turned him into a marauding left winger, uh, left left fullback, but he pre- pretty much plays left wing. You look at Joe Gomez, who's obviously now a centre-back. You look at Wijnaldum and the progression he's had. You look at Firmino you know, was playing wing back at times under Brendan Rodgers and now he's one of the best number nines in Europe. It's just, again, early days, but the signs are there where perhaps Klopp's done it again here with Zerjan Shaqiri and he's turned into a player that nobody realised he could be. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing. And if you want to play for Klopp, then you've got to have so many strings to your bow. You you can't be one dimensional. I think you're right. I can, I can only judge Shaqiri in terms of his Stoke years when he played against Liverpool and it, to me, he st- when, when Liverpool bought him, I thought I agreed with Klopp's assessment at the time that for 13 million, it, it was a no-brainer for someone who'd, who'd had who'd played for the clubs he'd played at, and you'd seen him do amazing things. But what struck me in games against Liverpool was how he just seemed to wait for the ball to come to him, and he wasn't particularly involved for long, long periods. And it was almost like, well, you know, if one of you wants to go and get the ball back and give it to me, I'll try and do something with it. But until then, I'll just stand around here. Thanks. And you and you you knew that he was never ever going to get away with doing that. Different, obviously, different types of players. But I suppose there's a parallel in a way to Balotelli in terms of when he came in. That was very much his his game, wasn't it? And the, the thing was, Balotelli never adjusted, mm. never never seemed to take on board that that he you know it was almost like, well, I'm Mario Balotelli. No, you're you're fitting around me. 
and it, it was it, that was doomed to failure from the start. I think the massive thing with Shakiri is from the off, he knew that this was a massive opportunity for him. Probably his last opportunity at an elite club because he, he's had a strange career, hasn't he? When you think, you know, he was like, you know, arguably the, the best young player that Switzerland's ever produced. You know, won titles with Basel, at a, you know, in his teenage years. Went to Munich at the age of 20, you know, played well initially. Um, you know, one of the best young talents around Europe and then just fell away. I think obviously Guardiola didn't particularly fancy him. Uh, short spell it into Milan, nothing happened from there. And then you know, he ended up at Stoke. Even in his three years at Stoke, you kind of, I remember at the time when he went to Stoke, you thought, wow, you know, how, how has he ended up at Stoke? Mm-hmm. You know, from where he was a few years before that, it just, it seemed a, a crazy move. And then, you know, he did some great things for Stoke, but never with the consistency that, it, that an elite club would, would go in for him. Um, and when you think back to the summer, Liverpool had pretty much a free run at him. It wasn't like, you know, it was quite a long period between it making it clear that Liverpool's interest was real and them actually doing the deal after the World Cup. But I think a lot of clubs were put off because, you know, his his career had been on a bit of a downward spiral. But yeah, he deserves massive credit for the way he's taken everything on board. I think, you know, I spoke to him after the game the other night and he's, he said himself, he said, I think Klopp will be proud of that first goal because that was exactly what Klopp has said to him. You know, you, I, I need more from you. You've got to work on the de- defensive side of your game. It's not just about what you do when you've got the ball. And for him to track back like he did, win it back, and then produce the quality of the pass for Robertson to tee up Firmino, kind of, I think that kind of epitomised just the transformation we've seen in Shaqiri in a, in a couple of months. And Liverpool have been doing this under FSG for a while, haven't they? When you think about different stages of the career, but you look at Coutinho and, and Sturridge, both sort of fell off the radar slightly. Both maybe didn't quite do what they were meant to do when they when they went and had the big moves at Inter Milan and Chelsea. You'd even look at maybe Robertson, who was relegated, mm-hmm. Wan Aldum, who was relegated. Because even throwing James Milner there, who obviously had this contract situation at Man City, Liverpool seems to be getting better and better. And in fact, they're becoming elite at the at the idea of picking up these players who maybe have just gone off the radar for whatever reason and basically, you know revitalising them. Yeah, that's a little bit like the, the old money ball approach that we heard mm. so much of, wasn't it, for, for so, so many years. Uh, Liverpool have basically spent big in the in the transfer market, haven't they, the last 18 months or so, and basically tried to show once again that, that they're a power in the transfer market and so many big names and big transfer fees for Alisson and Van Dijk and even Salah and Oxlade-Chamberlain, Fabinho, Cater, you know, they're all north of 35 million, aren't they? But um, the likes of Andy Robertson, as you say, he was what between eight and ten. Shakiri was thirteen million. Um, it shows that Liverpool aren't just throwing money at, at big players for the sake of it. There's obviously a, a structure and a plan behind the, the big names who they're trying to bring, but there's also um, a lot of value to, to be said for looking out for players who, who have kind of fallen away and, and need a little bit of uh, a little bit of a you know freshening up of the career if they've kind of veered off a little bit. And Shakiri fell into that path. Uh, that, kind of remit perfectly the knee relegated with Stoke he was their best player but picking him up for 13 million just to add a bit more um, depth to that front line um, it was a no-brainer another no-brainer I suppose in hindsight and you're talking about bargains is uh, Joe Gomez cost £3.5 million <laughs> he's an England international now he's for me one of the best young centre-backs in Europe the turn of foot that he showed against that Red Star player whose name I'm not going to pretend I can even remember what he was called <laughs> where he just accelerated and won the won the yeah. goal kick it was it was phenomenal James they didn't talk over a new contract they only signed one at the start of 2017 
So when something like this happens less than two years later, you know that he's been a performer for Liverpool. Yeah, and I think it's absolutely richly deserved. I think um, you know, you, I think Klopp has always been big on making sure that you recognise players' developments and the progress that they achieve, and and certainly where he was eighteen months ago to where he is now. I think you know when he signed that contract, I'm pretty sure that was around the time where he was making his comeback. Um, after those two, you know, horrendous injuries with the ACL and then the the Achilles, um, and you know, obviously had issues after that. You know, what quite happened off quite quite often happens with a serious injury. Then when you come back, you get you know little issues. Um, but yeah, this season on the back of a full preseason, um, you know, obviously gutting for him to miss the Champions League final and the World Cup. But I think you know he certainly benefited and made the most made the most of that time out in terms of making sure he was bang on for this season and he's yeah he's just raises the bar with every single performance you know he, you know I'm sure he, he wasn't probably particularly enamored at being asked to play right back because you know having played so well at center back but you know he's such a versatile individual that you know he was he was brilliant at right back I thought against City and at Huddersfield and then back in the middle the other night against Van alongside Van Dyke you know okay and not not a night where they were particularly tested but um yeah he just absolutely used his class and we talked before about like bargain signings you know I think you know Gomez could well well I think you could almost make a case already but certainly I think he will go on to be certainly the the, the most the, you know the biggest bargain Liverpool have had in the Premier League era you know, it's esque isn't it in terms of the, yeah, the, the fee just, you know and you think about the inflation of, of fees yeah. now well you know I was looking at some stats the other day in terms of I think the average age for a centre-back in the Champions League is 26 so you know, for him to be performing at that level at at twenty one, um, you know, it, it just doesn't. You know, it's it's very rare to you know for for someone that young to be playing centre back in in like an an elite team in Europe, but you know, not just playing centre back, but but absolutely excelling there. And um, yeah, it, it makes it all the the great all the you know all the more enjoyable to watch the fact that he's had this journey. That to get there, you know, all you know the the horrible injuries and and the heartache and all those long, lonely days in the gym and in the pool doing all the rehab, um, you know, it's it's just it's just great to see a, you know a young player because he's such a decent lad as well. You know, you I don't think you can meet a more down to earth, humble, um, decent young player than Joe Gomez and um, you know all those plaudits that are coming his way for both club and country richly deserved. I always remember, interestingly, he was linked with with Dortmund when Liverpool signed them. I, I think they were watching when, obviously, Klopp was there. He just he's almost the typical Klopp player, isn't he? In terms of he feels like a Hummels, or a, you know, you think about those great centre backs that that Dortmund had under Jurgen Klopp. You mm. know, you think about Hummels in, in particular, yeah. He's just he's taken this play and he's he's made them a, a almost the world beater at the age of twenty one. Yeah, I think if if you look at say, some of the, the best centre backs in the world, they've they've always got one quality that just sets them apart from the rest. If you think of Van Dijk, he, you know he's, he's so good in the air and, and he's he's an excellent talker. That's very similar to Vincent Company at Manchester City and, and David Luiz at Chelsea. He's, he's great on the ball and he's probably one of the, the league's best at that. And then you look at Joe Gomez and he he doesn't actually excel in any one particular category, but he's just got a bit of everything. He's got pace. He's strong. He's good on the ball. He can play right back if he has to. He's obviously played left back under Brendan Rodgers. Uh, just a little bit of everything. And I'm really excited to see where he can go, to be honest, because he's only 21. He's play, playing at the heart of a, of a defence that's only conceded three goals all season. 
uh, it's the, the best in Europe alongside City who've conceded the same and you just want to play Liverpool have got on the hands for the next for the next decade or so and I'm just really excited to see his development really just long may he continue in the side and obviously he's been helped by Virgil van Dijk next to him Virgil van Dijk who was revealed today is now the vice vice captain of <laughs> Liverpool Football Club um, and then obviously Jeannie Wijnaldum his compatriot is a teammate for the Netherlands is the vice 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 captain of, uh, of Liverpool James, what's what's this all about? It's 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 it's. it's, it's uh, I'm all for democracy, by the way. But you know, it's it's uh, a player vote. Yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting revelation from Klopp that he was a, he was actually he was asked kind of how come Van Dyke wore the armband against Red Star when when usually if the captain and vice captain are missing, you you usually say it just goes to the next most experienced player in terms of longevity. Well, I think would that have been Gomez? If Firmino, um, Firmino, Firmino Gomez, yeah, 2015, yeah, yeah. So, mm. but oh, storage, the, the um, but I suppose he wasn't was on, on the pitch, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. But, um, so yeah, he said he, he, the club said that he'd made the decision that Henderson was staying as captain regardless and that, um, that Milner would be vice captain regardless, but he felt he'd, he'd do a vote amongst the players for who you would want to be kind of next in line behind them. So, uh, yeah, I don't think a great surprise that Virgil van Dyke came out on top. And is now the the vice vice captain, and I think interesting the fact that Genie was was next in next in line because you know you, you could have gone for someone who maybe you know a, a quieter a, a quieter character who maybe just you know the kind of you know elite player like a you know Mo Salah for for example or someone with big experience like you know I think I think Lovren and you know and obviously Lallana as, as captain teams previously, but. Um, yeah, I think it's probably a sign of how highly Wijnaldum's regarded amongst his teammates as well, because I think he's probably been probably the unsung hero of this season so far in terms of just sheer consistency of performances. I think it feels like he's Liverpool's second or third best player in every every single game. So, um, so yeah, that was that was interesting. Obviously, you know, I, I know a lot of people the other night when it came out that Van Dijk was captain in. They, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans want that to become a a permanent fixture, don't they? Because you know, Van Dijk obviously captain in the Netherlands. There's a feeling that one day, you know, he will be Liverpool captain. But um, yeah, I think that's certainly not going to be the case this season because uh, Klopp making it clear that uh, that Jordan Henderson is still well and truly is his leader. You know, he's someone who commands the respect of the dressing room and certainly the respect of his manager. And I don't think that's gonna that position's going to change anytime soon. Would you put that on the ballot paper? You know, La Van Dyke. As my vice, vice, vice captain. Vice, vice, vice captain. Um, do you know what? I I actually, I, I, when Alden was, I I was pleased that he was. Yeah. Cause it's I, nice a bit of recognition for him, isn't yeah. it? You know, it, it feels like he doesn't. I mean, he's got a song. You know, he's got a song, hasn't he, for, from the fans? But it feels like, in the wider sense, he's not got that recognition. Yeah, maybe a, a bit under underappreciated. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think. You know, the wider thing is, it doesn't feel like that long ago that we were going on about how Liverpool lack leaders, <laughs> and there's just, especially I think probably more probably the the squad that Klopp inherited. When you think back to, especially like the last probably six months of Rodgers' reign, where things went against them, you were looking around and like, like where are the leaders? Where are the you know? It was almost like with Steven Gerrard's not out there, we, we've got no one who's going to take a game by the scruff of the neck, no one who's going to bark orders. It was you know they just the shoulders shrugged and they just accepted their fate. And now when you go through that team now, you know, obviously Andy Robertson, you know, it's Scotland captain now, mm. you know, not, you know, he's not, there's not had a mention in that yet. And, you know, you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold talking about how, you know, one day I want to be a Liverpool captain and you certainly wouldn't be surprised if, if that happened. Um, 
you know he has got leaders in 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 all departments and that that's certainly been you know a key a key change during Klopp's reign that's that's had a a massive impact on results. How about you, Gorsley? Uh Do you know what? I think I'd go for Salah. Is it, I think is he the, the Egypt captain? I think he might be. I mean, he's 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 the king, isn't he? Yeah. So he's, um, I he, imagine he, he can have it if he wants. He'd be a diff- if he wants to be, he would be, wouldn't he? Yeah, he'd be a different type of captain. Wouldn't he? To Van Dijk, he can lead by example, and he's not as talkative as uh, as Van Dijk is. But yeah, I'd go with Salah. But it is an interesting little tweak by Klopp because, as as we mentioned, they obviously just used to hand the armband to whoever had been there the longest, and he's even said before, hasn't he? He googled it once to find out that it was Coutinho, <laughs> so we gave him the armband. Jose Enrique's had it, and Ray Chan, John Flanagan, um, but now he's obviously got his, his leaders in there, Henderson and Milner, who've been there for years, and, and Van Dijk, who's the uh, the national captain of Holland, and a, a, a real true leader, isn't he? I think. Um, no, it's been no slight on Henderson, but I think a lot of Liverpool fans would love to see Van Dijk get the armband next season. The Blood Red Podcast, brought to you by Footy Five. Play today at thepools.com. I would have gone for Robertson, or maybe, maybe if, if, I, if I wasn't so uncertain about his place short term, I'd probably say Trent. Just because I think it's good to have that. I just think it would be good to have a, a Scouse vice, vice, vice captain. But whether he plays whether he's in the first choice yeah. defence at the moment is up for debate because it's Lovren Gomez is that what, what he's after at the moment yeah so there we go I'd be interested to see who becomes the vice 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 captain <laughs> that's next week's vote yeah, yeah. James Pierce is the, the captain for Echo FC we know that much <laughs> who's the vice captain <laughs> we, don't, we don't have yeah. one we won't allow that we, we, <laughs> there's no delegate <laughs> this is this is a dictatorship rules of the iron fist <laughs> a captain who watches a star is born on his own that's the type of leader that you want uh, okay so obviously there's a Cardiff game coming up on Saturday afternoon it's a little return for uh, Neil Warnock or Colin, as he's known. Um, <laughs> if you're not sure why he's known as Colin, give it a Google. Um, about that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's an anagram. I won't say the second name, but yeah, Neil Warnock's coming back. He's got a bit of history with Liverpool, but Jürgen Klopp's I thought I thought he played it brilliantly. I thought yeah. it was exactly the type of thing he's he's diffused any sort of flashpoints already, and he's yeah. he's just been very very nice about Mr. Warnock. Yeah, he. Um... He described him as a colourful character. I think <laughs> quite a few people would have a different description for for Neil Warnock. But um, yeah, he's, cause Klopp has said he, he'd never met him. He said, mm. you know, he said, "I've heard a lot about him. I've, you know, I've uh, read things, you know, that he's said." Um, but you know, I think the overriding thing was from Klopp was respect for for Warnock's record. You know, Klopp was talking about how you know he'd watched a lot of Championship football in terms of how difficult that division is to get out of and the way that Warnock has managed to do that with 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 a number of clubs. Um, you know, he, he shrugged off kind of Warnock's comments about how um, I think Warnock said earlier today that he thought it was virtually impossible to get a result at Anfield. I think, um, you know, as we know, Klopp doesn't have too much time for things like that. You know, he's he desperate to, to guard against any kind of complacency. He's and, not soft Warnock saying that, is he? He's, no, he's... no, no. I think, yeah, it's, you know, he's, you'd like to think he's going to be proved right, but mm. um, but no, you know, Klopp Klopp was doing his usual thing of bigging up bigging up the the opposition and just I think to focus a few minds in the in the dressing room because I know he, in the team meeting in midweek he was um you know banging the drum about just how dangerous Red Star are and I don't think we really saw that on the night um, and I think you know he, he was talking today about that they've got unbelievably long throw-ins was was one of the strengths that uh the clock picked up on uh, from Cardiff 
from his analysis. So, so that um, under weaknesses, you've put extra. <laughs> 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 so he, anyway, I think he, he said the two wingers are, are quick, um, but no, it's um, you'd, you'd like to think it's a good game for Liverpool. Anyway, I think it was interesting again. Klopp talking about atmosphere um, again, unprompted again. I get, I just get the feeling that it's a bit of a nagging frustration for him that Anfield isn't absolutely rocking when it's not a proper high stakes game. I think um, he said that a few times recently and it's, it's tended to have been not because he's been, you know, sometimes you get an answer out of a manager because he's asked about it or, you know, in, in the end you kind of get, you force something out of them, but he's offered that up a few times now about how, you know, the, the need for, for better atmospheres on low key games, because he feels that, you know, Anfield can be too quiet. Um, talking about how you know, he'll ensure that his players are bang up for it and then there's no hint of complacency but that the fans have a have a role to play um, it's hard though isn't it it's hard it's, just, it's... it's human nature isn't it you're not going to be you're not going to get because he was saying you know, why can't Anfield be like it was for Man City for Roma but you know, you're not going to get a Champions League semi-final atmosphere for a a three o'clock Saturday kickoff and against that, Cardiff. That detracts from the Champions League semi-final yeah. atmospheres. Yeah. You know, if it was like that every week, number yeah. one, everybody's blood pressure would be through the roof. And and number two, just, yeah, it's just, it's just people are expecting Liverpool to win. Nobody... It's, not, it's, it's not an it's, issue that's been exclusive to Jürgen Klopp either, is it? It's, you know, for a good while, I, I can remember this being like a... I think it was like this in the 70s and 80s and all the the, the, was, older, yeah. the older generations who say how great the car... I, I think there were plenty of games in the 70s and 80s where it was pretty much quiet and yeah. people just chatted amongst themselves because Liverpool were just cantering to victory. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think that's that Brighton game earlier on this season, the one that, that was like, it was so flat that day. Mm. You know, the kind of day where you can like hear every word that players are saying to each other on the pitch and it was but yeah it's awkward I think I think it it hinges a lot on what happened you know I think whether Klopp likes it or not it is that kind of game where if Liverpool start the game well then you get the crowd up and the atmosphere will be decent but yeah I, I just I don't I just don't think it's particularly realistic to think that Anfield is going to be absolutely rocking at five to three on Saturday because no, the reality is, it's it's Cardiff City at home, and, and Liverpool are expected to roll over them. Here's a Naby Keita hospital pass in Naples for you, Ghosty. What you, you make of Cardiff? Uh, the club, not the city. Yeah, well, to be good honest, night out. yeah, it's a good night out. Yeah, but I know I've only ever been um, went to Oasis there once in the Millennium Stadium. Little, uh, little fact for you. To be honest, I've I've only really seen I've seen them against Newcastle. Um, they were they were a little bit unlucky, lucky with Kennedy's penalty miss. They, they're really toothless up front. Goals, yeah, they, they, yeah, I mean he scored four against Fulham last week, but well, Fulham have got the worst defensive record in the league. And it's um, he's got a real job on his hands. One, I can see, it, it's a strange one because he, obviously everyone knows how difficult it is to, to try and keep them in a division. But he hasn't even chatted away from it. He got asked last week, would he put money on them staying up? And he said no. Um, we had Lee Peltier on a podcast a few weeks back, and he was very complimentary of him. He said he's, he's come in and. He's worked wonders with the squad that he had, and maybe he has to to, to get them to the Premier League. And I, I think it's it's a bridge too far, and um, I don't expect them to to stay up. I'll just throw it out there: I like Neil Warnock. I know he's got the history with <laughs> Rafa, and obviously the Wavington Cup game with Sheffield United. 
I just find them really. I just find them really funny. He's just, I just, he is comedy. Isn't he, he? He's, he's, for me, he just bleats on about the ref for every single <laughs> game. I think I mean, I know of, most most managers do that, but he he'll have been beat four nil and he'll still make a point to moan about whatever ref was was refing that day. I think that's almost also self aware. Now I think he knows he's almost like this meme. You know, it's sort of. <laughs> I, I I really like I like I find it different. Like a lot of Liverpool fans get froth frothy at the mouth over over Neil Warnock. Maybe time just has healed wounds there, but I just I just find him quite quite amusing. I just think he's the he's that type of character that you need in football. He's, a, well, he's a caricature, isn't he? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he is your old school manager. What I will say about Warnock as well, and hopefully this doesn't bite Liverpool on the backside. I think I've said this in the office as well. I find it crazy when a team goes up and they'll always think about improving the playing staff, but they never think about improving the manager. Yeah, yeah. Neil Warnock is an absolute, and this is not meant as any disrespect, a championship manager. He will get any team you you you, you throw at him into the, into the Premier League, but once he gets there, that's the end of it. He can't do the rest of it. Hmm. So... I know it would be unheard of, but why don't in the summer? Why doesn't the club, if they've got a manager there, just say, "I know there's loyalty. I know it. I know it wouldn't be good. I know this is very modern football, but surely they would have been better maybe saying, Neil, thanks very much for doing your job. Now we're going to get somebody who can possibly keep us in the division.' I can definitely see him getting the bullet in the next couple of months, and, and then they start Allardyce, all over again. Yeah, Allardyce getting given that the one SOS. To, to keep to keep them up. It but. should be said they're they're not in the bottom three at the moment. So, you know, for all the talk of Liverpool play, the Huddersfield side, who were in the bottom three, struggled to a 1-0. As much as the Red Star game was uh, a nice welcome sort of return to the Liverpool that we knew, what I would say is that Red Star have been used to absolutely hammering teams in Serbia. They're winning 11 out of 12. That They're used to playing on the front foot. So when they come up against a team like Liverpool, they're not necessarily ready for that. Cardiff know exactly what they're mm. going to do here. They're, and that's the difference between them and Red Star, I feel. It's a similar game in terms of profile and in terms of the way they will set up, but I just feel like Cardiff will probably be much well versed, much better versed in actually dealing with Liverpool's threats. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll be very well organised. Um, I've seen them against Arsenal at home as well, and, and they were unlucky that day. Again, just kind of lacking that real killer instinct. They had a couple of really good chances when Petr Cech was um, was struggling with his his passing out from the back. Um, so they'll come to Anfield and they will be organised and I just think what will hold them back for the, the entire season unless they really address it in January somehow is is uh, going forward um, but Warnock you know, he, how long has he been a manager he knows how to set the team up and, and get them to dig in and, and be dogged and defensive and that's been a stock and trade for so long so don't expect that to be any different at Anfield tomorrow it's just a case of Liverpool being far too good for them to, and they'll just should be able to overcome that with, without too much difficulty. So just before we wrap up, James, this is the weekend Klopp's been waiting for, isn't it? In terms of, and I know we wouldn't admit that in public, but you look at, it feels like Liverpool are really like, even though the level on points with Manchester City, it feels like they've really sort of clung on in the title race already. Only nine games in, but it feels like it's been a scrap already. Cardiff at home, promotes the side. Since Rafael Benitez came in, Liverpool have only lost one game at home to a newly promoted side in the Premier League that was Blackpool under Roy Hodgson so it doesn't even really count no. um, so you look at that and then you look at Manchester City go away to Tottenham on Monday night 24 hours after the NFL play yet another game on the Wembley pitch you've got Manchester United at Everton that's for Liverpool supporters I suppose is a no-lose no-lose game in that sense you've got Arsenal going to Crystal Palace you've got Chelsea at Burnley you know not the not the easiest games necessarily 
this is the this is the, it feels like Liverpool have had all these hard games and then you look at who Manchester City are playing and they're playing Echo FC. This time the <laughs> That's disrespectful. <laughs> the, the, the roles are reversed, aren't they? And, and and it feels like this is a real opportunity. Liverpool, for all intents and purposes, come Monday. Monday night should still be top of the league. Yeah. And that, that's why Liverpool have absolutely got to cash in, make sure they, they do their side of the bargain and then hopefully sit back and and and, and watch others others slip up and, and drop points because you know this this would be a great week. You know, on the back of I think I went to Huddersfield last weekend with a little bit of trepidation just because of the you knew the bit the preparation hadn't been great with the internationals and the injuries and and, and you know, that was a real struggle. Then, you know, midweek felt like a big step forward. You know, suddenly the Liverpool are last season back in terms of the fluency. So, you know, get through this one, win win this one. And then, you know, then I think the big thing is that he's got a full week then, doesn't he, to prepare for Arsenal away. You know, that's that's going to be a, you know, a, a big, big test of this Liverpool resurgence. Arsenal been in fantastic form. Um, but yeah, this... This weekend is is it's just that you know it's that it's that game where the, it's, it's all about the mindset being right because if it is then then Liverpool will be far too strong for Cardiff. I think the interesting thing will be what does he do team wise because having just found some fluency in midweek, I don't think you want to change it too much and, and risk going back to it, things being a bit disjointed again. What team would you play then? Team prediction. What team would you play? What team do you think he'll play? Either or. Uh, it's going to be the, the the usual back five. Are we saying Gomez and Van Dijk? What is yeah. the usual back five? Robertson and, and Trent as the the fullbacks. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change the 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 back five in terms of for midweek. I know it wouldn't surprise me if he did bring in Lovren just because Lovren's fresh. I think he's almost set pieces as well and, and yeah. long throws. I just I think, think he, might he might go, go for, for the Gomez height. At right back mm. I do. Yeah, the extra height. I mean, Wednesday's yeah. game wouldn't have took too much out of them with the, the back five. No. I think Van Dijk and Gomez spent half time playing a Conkers or something. They, they yeah. barely got out their own half, Red Star. Yeah, yeah. I think, I personally, I'd probably keep it the same, but I can see him bringing Lovren in, Gomez to right back. Yeah. Um, Fabinho? Midfield wise. Yeah. Yeah, Fabinho's got to play. Deserves it, doesn't he? Yeah. It doesn't send out a good message necessarily no. if he doesn't, you know, I think he'll find fit. room for Milner. Um, Place for Wijnaldum. Feels like yeah, the, potentially. Feels like the type of game Milner needs to be in. You know, it's just a couple of wise heads in that Cardiff team, and you just need yeah. one of your own, don't you? But I, yeah. I don't yeah. think I'd be wanting to change change the you know the, the front four. I think I'd mm. want Shakiri with the the usual front three. I'm not. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't think I'd I'd bring back Lallana or Sturridge. Mm. Is it uh, is it Joe Rawls who suspended for Cardiff? Is it him who's, who's hacked down Lucas Moore at Wembley? Yes. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a key player for, key player for Cardiff, and that's you know a, a little bonus for the pool that he suspended in midfield. So uh, yeah, I, I think Milner's a good shout and uh, Shakiri, and then I'd, I'd keep the front three. Can I just say, and I shouldn't really admit this, being a you know a football aficionado, but <laughs> I, the, the the fellow who scored the fourth goal for Cardiff last weekend, I never heard of him. Who was it? I don't know. <laughs> um, don't while I try, while, while I try and find time. out, I want your score predictions, please. <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't see it being a five or six. Uh, me, I, I think it might just be a another routine two 0 A routine, not 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 a routine three 0 away win, but a routine two 0 home. Yeah, win. A, a, a regulation two 0 win. Uh, 
Yeah, Liverpool will win. I don't think they'll concede. I think I think Liverpool are actually. I think they're only about ninety-four or ninety-five minutes away from it being the longest shutout in terms of conceding a goal in top-flight football in their history. So I think they they have to go throughout the whole of the Cardiff game, mm. and then is it Fulham at home next? Yes. So um, you know that's that's another target to aim for. I think yeah, Liverpool will be too strong. I think three 0 I think it's actually twenty minutes as well. In this game, and it's gone. It's basically half a season without conceding the goal at Anfield. Crazy. Uh, I actually think Cardiff might. I just think it might be a bit of a, a, a trickier game than people are anticipating. I think Liverpool will win two one. Two one. Yeah, I think it'll be one of those where I think it might be a little bit tense and a little bit tight. And do you think Jurgen Klopp will still like Neil Warnock after the end of the game, or do you think meeting him might might shatter the illusion? I think I'll. <laughs> I think he'll like him a lot less than I do. Put it that way. And the Cardiff player is Kadeem Harris. Big talent. One to watch yeah, out. Yeah, it is one of those. It, he flashed I, up before I, the Huddersfield heard, game. I heard of the name, but couldn't tell you what he was all about. No, no. well, he scored. So there we go. So that's that's all you need to know, really, from the from the Blood Red yeah. podcast this week. We've <laughs> had Cardiff players, and we've had James Pierce as doing his yeah. best Barry Norman impression. <laughs> I've got a lot of washing up to do. So can, we, can we wrap this up? <laughs> yeah. She's Thanks. on a plane too. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week. James, if he survives, um, is uh, Mrs. Pierce coming back? Uh, Ghosty won't. He's off for next week. I'll be here. Ian Doyle might be here if he can bother to show his backside into work one day. Oh, we don't want to see that. Yeah, that's true. Actually, Ugh. not again. Yeah. Yeah, too many times. Not again, Doily. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, enjoy the game, and we'll speak to you on Monday. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.